Hello everybody, welcome back to the Freecast. My name is Simon Osfrey Osborne, and unfortunately there is no guest today. I'm not joined by the lovely Chris, I'm also not joined by the non-existent Dan. But shit happens, really. So, uh, yeah. Hopefully we have enough to talk about, and hopefully you are content with listening to my own monotone voice. It's not all that monotone, actually. I have learned to uh, put a bit more... Uh, what's the word? Emotion into my voice as I'm speaking? Uh, well, at least that's what I like to think. Whether or not that's true, that's to be debated. But anyway, <laughs> jumping into it, anyway. Uh, so some corrections from last week. We obviously discovered that uh, the big free games like GTA Five and Ark and uh, whatever else, that is no longer going to be a thing when it comes to the Epic Game Store. That was a temporary deal where we got some big title games for free, which sucks. And uh, also, for some reason, while we saw The Escapists 2 was going to be free this week, that never showed up. So I don't know what the deal is with that. But uh, for the time being, for the next couple of days, if you're watching this live, for the next couple of days, Pathway is still free on the Epic Games Store. But if you're listening to this, on uh on Friday or later, then uh the next games will be Air Memories of Old and Stranger Things 3 the game. No idea what either game is gonna be like. Stranger Things 3 kinda looks kinda looks like a retro kind of game, which makes sense given the, the whole theme of the show. Um yeah. So there's also a publisher sale on Steam available right now, uh from Bandai Namco Entertainment. So that includes titles like Soul Calibur, uh, Dragon Ball titles. There's a bunch of them at this point. I'm actually kind of surprised quite how many there are. Uh, Jump Force, which is one thing that kind of did intrigue me when they first announced it. Because, I mean, it was all these different anime characters all coming into one universe to fight some greater evil. I don't really know. I, in the end, I never really looked into it too much. But it did pique my interest at the time. Uh, but that is also on sale. Uh, Project Cars, Tekken, and also the Dark Souls games are on sale. This is all on Steam in the Bandai Namco Entertainment sale that's going on. But other than that, we have all sorts of announcements of things that happened in the last week. Namely one that I found out about yesterday, or maybe it was the day before, but uh, Crash Bandicoot 4. There is going to be a new Crash Bandicoot game. Obviously, we had the remake, well, remaster, I guess, of the first three games bundled in together for the Insane Trilogy, which I absolutely loved. I started the I started playing the Crash Bandicoot series with uh, Crash 3 Time Warped. I think it was Time Warped anyway. I read something earlier that said it was just warped, which doesn't really make sense to me. But there you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I started the series with that. Uh, then the remastered edition came out, and I obviously had to wait a year because... Consoles get it first. Boo. But, yeah, I absolutely loved going back to the Crash Bandicoot games. Like, oh my god, the nostalgia was so real playing Warped again. And then I actually got a full playthrough of the first two games, which I never did play originally. I absolutely loved it. I'm still kind of disheartened that we are still waiting for Crash Team Racing. It has now been a full year 
since it was released on console, but it has not made any appearance on PC, and that is just gutting. Because I was probably looking forward to that more than anything. But there you go. Uh, so yeah, we have a new IP, Crash... Uh, not IP, sorry. We have a new game in the series for Crash 4, taking place after Warped. So, uh... Let's... Yeah, <laughs> sorry. It's trying to. It's a little hard to really, really hard to keep a keep a nice flow going when you're by yourself. This is this is new to me. Uh, just talking rather than playing and reacting to what I'm doing. Streaming gameplay is so much easier than just having a conversation with myself. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, after more than twenty years of waiting, we are finally getting Crash Bandicoot Four. Uh, so yeah, the game. I, I actually didn't realize this. The game. The third game came out in '98. Like I didn't actually play it until well, I got my I got my PlayStation for my seventh birthday, I believe it was. So I still waited essentially a year or two before I actually got to play Crash Bandicoot Warped because my lovely parents got me the PlayStation, and then I also eventually I, I, I don't know if I had Crash Bandicoot immediately, but eventually I played it anyway. I, the the feeling of getting past Tiny the Tiger in that game though, I I felt I felt such such a an accomplishment for doing that, such an accomplishment. Um, but yeah, so Crash Bandicoot Four, it's about time. It picks up decades after the events of Warped, uh, back when you defeated. Neo Cortex and Dr. Entropy and Uka Uka. It's actually... I'm very curious, actually, because sadly, the man that voiced Aku Aku, who is the mask that's on your side, he did pass away very recently, like in the last week or two. Uh, annoyingly, I cannot remember his name. But... Actually, let's 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 quickly just look that one up because we owe it to we owe it to him, Greg Eagles, who is the voice of Aku Aku, as well as doing, God only knows how many other things. But Greg Eagles, may he rest in peace. He was the voice of Aku Aku, who, I mean, if you played Crash Bandicoot and you hear and you hear the sound when you get that mask, that like you you just. There's that immediate feeling. There's that immediate bit of nostalgia that you experience, and I th I think that's quite important. I think that's quite important to remember. But yeah, so it's uh, Crash Four is going to be developed by the same people that handled the uh, Spyro Reignited trilogy, so that's pretty good. And they're also handling the Nintendo Switch port of Crash Insane Trilogy, it looks like. Uh, we also do actually have a release date and price for the game, too, which I didn't realize on the first time looking over this. But uh, unsurprisingly, $59.99. That's a lot. $60 for it. It's always going to be the case with these games in the end, isn't it? And I guess waiting a year, the price is probably not going to have dropped too much, which is just annoying. It's really annoying when that happens. Like you wait a year. Like it's it's what we were talking about last week with uh, Horizon Zero Dawn when that's it's finally coming to the PC after I don't know how long it's been, but the price is probably going to be stupid considering how old the game is at this point. The price will be stupid.
but there you go. Um, but October 2nd will be the release date for Crash Bandicoot 4, and it's going to be $59.99. So, bit of a hefty price, but considering the game, I mean, I'm more than happy. I'm not sure how I feel about the uh, updated graphics for Crash. Like, Cortex looks just the same as ever, but Crash just has been updated slightly. Uh, so has uh, Coco, his sister, I believe? I think they're brother and sister. I can't actually remember at this point. Uh, their appearances have been updated. I'm not too sure how I feel about them. they kind of steering away from the original looks a little bit, but there you go. I mean, design choices doesn't really matter in the end as long as the gameplay is good. And from the looks of it, it does look pretty good. There's some pretty nice levels coming. Uh, they're also introducing a new kind of uh, gameplay mechanic where you're sliding along vines, kind of like a, a Tarzan-style type of thing, if you if you can think of that. Or even skateboarding games, I guess. <laughs> That's uh, similar there. But yeah. I am, I'm looking forward to it, even though... I'm going to be waiting until 2021 before I probably get to play it, unless I somehow get my hands on a console, which is unlikely at the moment. <laughs> but there you go. There you go. But along with that, we also have an announcement for Star Wars Squadrons, which I did see last week and I didn't mean to talk about, but I did not have the time to in the end. Uh, but we've had some more details come out this week, so it's probably a good thing that I waited, to be honest. Otherwise, I'd be talking about it twice in a row. Um, but yeah, it's... I mean, what what does it sound like? It's Squadrons. It's Star Wars. It's space dogfights. I thought it was going to be a case of, like, a Battlefront kind of giant battlefield kind of scenarios where you've got 40 aside kind of things going on or maybe not 40 but you know i think uh in games it's something like 20 aside but uh no it's actually just gonna be five aside which i'm okay with i am actually okay with uh what i do love from what i was reading about it looking it up earlier why it absolutely do love and i want to see if i can quickly find it for those watching live I don't know where I read it now. Boo. Oh, wait, no, here it is. Full immersion in VR. If ever, if ever there was some incentive to, that would make me want to get a VR headset, a virtual reality headset, it would be Star Wars Squadrons. I can just imagine now the setups people could have to play this game. Like... You see people who have their insane gaming rigs set up so that, like, if they're doing a racing game, it actually feels like they're in a race car. Or if they're flying a plane, it feels like they're flying a plane. VR for a space-flying shooter? A first-person game like this? My god. I want it. I want all of it. I need it. It just sounds absolutely incredible. Like, <laughs> it truly makes me feel sad that I don't have a VR headset. God. I really want a VR headset now. Just for this game. 
which again, by the way, is going to be October 2nd this year. So there's two games that I'm really looking forward to coming out on the same day. But sadly, I'm not able to play one of them. But the other I could play if I went and bought it. And I believe the cost is uh, 34.99, but I think that's in pounds. So I'm not sure what that is in dollars. But still, when I first saw it, it, it obviously my first thought was, I'm hoping this is just a giant battlefield. But no, it's, it's five aside, which, okay, that's not the most amazing it could have been, but it's still pretty great. Because even with five sides, you're going to be dealing with a lot of AI. There's going to be all that. But five aside, that it it kind of... The scale doesn't have to change. That's It's it's kind of hard to explain. Like, the scale of the fight doesn't have to change here. It can still be giant battles, obviously, with AI filling in the empty spots. But then you can have like, actually have five players going for objectives. Like, they're the... They're the elite squad trying to do whatever mission, like thinking of like a uh, Rogue One, for instance, where you had that elite group of people. I say elite, you had that group of people <laughs> that infiltrated the Death Star or uh, sorry, infiltrated the Imperial forces to get the Death Star plans in order to hand it off and kick off the Star Wars franchise as we originally knew it. We are essentially in the shoes of that little group. Like, it's a pretty, pretty good feeling. For only five people, like, I kind of hope that all my friends get it. Because then we can all play it together and it will be amazing. But I don't know how fast they will be. If Chris was here, granted he's not too fussed about space stuff as, like, compared to myself. But I think Chris might pick it up, for instance. Uh, I could potentially bully Dan into getting it, but... He's never free to play games anyway. <laughs> and there's also our other friend, James Yams. He's never alive, so... Eh, never mind. <laughs> but yeah. Compete in intense 5v5 dogfights. Unite with your squadron to tip the scales in a monumental fleet... In monumental fleet battles. And take off in, the th in a thrilling Star Wars single-player story set after the events of Return of the Jedi. Oh, I want it. Everything about this game makes me want it. I'm I'm so looking forward to this. Uh, and we also have a, a little look on their websites. Uh, this is EA's website. So I guess you could go through ea.com slash game slash Star Wars slash Squadrons. And that'll probably get you to where you need to go. I imagine there probably is a much easier URL than that. But God only knows. Yeah, we can have a look at each of the individual fight uh, uh, ships on each side. In fact, we're currently looking at the New Republic's ships. Controls engage. I don't know what this is on about. Controls disengage. I don't know. This is not a very useful website. I have to be honest. <laughs> okay, we can click on these. So we have a UT sixty D U wing support craft. No idea about any of that. Sporting four massive thrusters that lend its surprising speed and mobility, the U-Wing support craft is a welcome addition to any squadron. I mean, I imagine it's going to be a case of maybe each person in your party wants to fly each one of these things, because they're... Well, actually, no, there's four of them, so I guess you'd have two of one thing. I don't know. 
it's going to be, I, I'm, it will be a case of you just fly whatever you want to fly, but depending on the objective, like you have the bomber here as well, and I know this is a bomber. BTL Y-Wing bomber. Uh, I guess it's going to depend on the objective. So it's a bit like, in that sense, it's a bit like uh, Rainbow Six Siege in a way, where again, that's, I think it's five aside, or maybe it's six aside, something aside, uh, gameplay where you're playing for the objectives. Now you can also just kill the enemy team, which I don't think is going to be the scenario in Squadrons, because that wouldn't really make sense. If you just killed the enemy team and won it that way, that would really be disappointing. So it should definitely be a case of you can kill them, sure, but they will respawn and come back at you. But I think as, as long as there's a main emphasis on the objective play, as opposed to just I'm sure there would be a team deathmatch as well, but I think objective play would be better. Disabling the other, uh, the opponent's, uh, what, what would you even call them? Carrier ships. I don't know. I don't know what they're called. As long as the gameplay would be based more around that as opposed to just team deathmatch, I think that would be good. I'm not sure if it actually says anywhere exactly what is here. We do have a bit for game modes, but uh, we'll get there in a second. So yeah, depending on what kind of game mode you're doing, like what the objectives are, you maybe want to have three bombers and then two fighters maybe? I don't know. It's or What even is this one? RZ-1A Wing Interceptor. By far the fastest and most agile starfighter in the New Republic's lineup. The A-Wing Interceptor is built for dogfighting. Okay, well, that certainly sounds like it would be there for the... Uh, Team Deathmatch side of things, but I imagine most people would want to be flying the classic X-Wing from the series. The workhorse of the New Republic, the Incon X-Wing Starfighter, is a great all-rounder package uh, packing sorry, a good balance of firepower, durability, and maneuverability into its distinctive frame. I mean, everyone's going to be flying one of those, for sure. Which is kind of where I have a bit of a worry with it, because if it is more objective-based play, and you have people jumping into the game, and they just want to play the classic X-Wing fighter from the Star Wars series, they're not going to have another look at the uh, the bomber or anything like that. They're going to just go for the X-Wing, and if, if there is an emphasis on the objective play as opposed to just kill the enemies, it may take away from the fun. It may take away a little bit, because... You just, it's its one of those games where people will just not be playing it right. And that sort of thing certainly infuriates me. Where you have an objective and people are going out of their way to ignore it. It's like, it's a bit silly. But let's have a look at the Imperial starships as well. The Imperial hangar. You have your TIE fighters. I don't actually know what this ship is. We'll start with the TIE Fighter, though, which is, I think, essentially the opposite of the X-Wing, really. Yeah. Oh, wait. It's more agile than the Rebel X-Wing counterpart. Hmm. So, it's kind of like the opposite to the X-Wing, but at the same time, it's slightly better. That's an interesting way to think about it. I'm sure it's not going to matter in the end. Uh, then you have the... Tie-in interceptor? Is that how it's supposed to be said? I mean, that's how I'm going to say it. 
Is everything a tie something with the Imperial forces? Tie SA bomber? Okay, what's this big boy then? A tie RP Reaper. A tie Reaper, okay. Oh, it's... Ah, tie fighter, tie reaper, tie interceptor, and tie... Whatever this one was, bomber. Not very imaginative. Although at the same time, you can't say much for the rebel forces who are just the alphabet. <laughs> We're the alphabet fighters. We're ready for war. <laughs> but I am very curious about this uh, tie reaper, though, because I have not seen this before. Surprisingly nimble for a ship of its bulk, the TIE Reaper support craft brings many advantages to a squadron, and many disadvantages to that squadron's opponents. One of the few Imperial Starfighters equipped with deflector shields, it trades some firepower for squadron force multiplying abilities, reloading allies and providing repair droids in the thick of battle. Re providing repair droids? That kind of makes it sound like you could fly by an ally, deploy a repair droid, and then in the middle of a fight, it would help. Is that how that's meant to work? Al alternatively, it kind of sounds like... Well, that's one, that's one thing I'm kind of curious about the game modes. Is there going to be a game mode where, much like in the original Battlefront games, you'd fly into the enemy's hangar and actually go into their ship on foot? Like, is that going to be a thing? Because that would be pretty awesome too. I don't know. We'll have to wait for a lot more details, but we don't have too long to wait considering it is coming out at the start of October. So that's pretty good. But yeah, so there's going to be a story. There's going to be a single player story, which... I mean, sure. I will, I'll welcome any kind of story when it comes to Star Wars. Why not? More than happy with that. Learn what it means to be... A pilot in a thrilling Star Wars single-player story. Seen from an alternating perspectives between the New Republic and the Empire, iconic and emerging leaders on both sides are battling for the galaxy. Set near the conclusion of the Galactic Civil War, this is a time when ace pilots will make all the difference. I mean, sure. Very sure. I haven't actually played... Uh, I think Star Wars Battlefront 2 did come with a single player, didn't it? Because it was one criticism of the remake Battlefront that it, there was no single player. So I think the second one does actually have it, but I have not played that yet. I'm kind of curious what that one's like now. Because obviously it has all sorts of battles. I can't actually remember if there is space battles in there. I certainly hope there is. Although I do recall that being another bit of a controversy when it came to the remake of the Battlefront games. I don't know. Uh, so other modes we have Dogfight. Challenge the galaxy's finest in 5v5 dogfights. The mission is simple, but the execution requires skill. Fine-tune your loadouts for speed and accuracy. Compose your squadron with different starfighter classes and eliminate the enemy to claim your glory. Now that kind of sounds like it would be a team death mode. Uh, team death match mode. Oof. Words. Which is fine. I'm not surprised that it would just be a good old-fashioned team deathmatch. I hope it isn't a case of you only have one life, though, because that would be very disappointing in the end. If there's a number of resources that you have, like, uh... Yeah, I think in previous games, I think there was a, it was a case of, like, you deplete the enemy forces. The more you kill, the less they have. Obviously. <laughs> they have a finite number of respawns. Like, if it's that kind of thing, that would be pretty good. 
Although at the same time, it's going to be real shitty if you, you come up against a team who are particularly coordinated. And hopefully it's not a case that uh, people can camp spawns because that would be shit. But there you go. <laughs> Fleet battles. Unite with your squadron online or play against bots to tip the scales in monumental fleet battles. A multi-stage objective-based contest between two squadrons of five. Advance the front line by dominating the enemy in intense dogfights and carry out bombing runs to take out capital ships, protecting your ultimate goal, the destruction of the massive enemy flagship. Yeah, that is exactly what I was hoping for in this game. That is exactly what I was hoping for. You fight back their forces, you then assault their ship. I don't know if it's a case that you infiltrate it yourself, it's probably not, but this is what I mean. You would want to then have someone flying bombers for that sec or second or third. It's a multi-stage objective base, so whichever stage that is where you have to bomb, have to do the bombing runs, you obviously need people to then be flying the bombers, so... Yeah. Hopefully... It, it certainly does sound like you can have multiple respawns, although it would certainly be quite a challenge if you only had one respawn available... Well, sorry, no respawns. But instead, when you change the stage, you actually have to, ideally one by one, fly back into your, your team hangar and change ship yourself. That would be one hell of a take. That would actually be quite fun. And also really hellish. But there you go. <laughs> there you go. We'll see how it goes anyway. I am very curious about it. I'm absolutely curious. Uh, yeah. So that is, uh, that is Star Wars Squadrons. I'm... Really looking forward to it. It looks like it's going to be great fun. It sounds like it's bringing everything that you want. As to... As to whether or not it will live up to the promises, I don't know. It, it's certainly going to be a case of we are more than likely getting our hopes up. Which will be disappointing if we're let down. But we'll see. We will absolutely see. We actually have some locations here set in the series... In, in the game, sorry. Uh, Yavin Prime, which... That sounds familiar. Why is Yavin... Ah, okay. Located in the Outer Rim territory Territories. Oof. Yavin Prime is a massive gas giant. One of its moons, Yavin 4, was home to a rebel base and remains a significant location for the New Republic. That would be why that sounds familiar. It is indeed a main thing for the game. I just noticed that something on my stream has slightly broken, and I don't know why. But there you go. So I'm just going to try and fix that briefly. Uh, other than that, we have some new locations, as far as I can tell. Oh, maybe they're not new, I just don't recognize them myself. Uh, Acelas? God only knows how you say any of these names, really. <laughs> Though close to New Republic space, Aceles? has been under Imperial control for a decade. Inside its icy ring, the Empire conceals a listening post the New Republic is eager to destroy. So that certainly sounds like it's going to be one of the objective-based things that you deal with in the game, which 
Fine by me. <laughs> Absolutely fine by me. Uh, Nadiri Dockyards. The Nadiri Dockyards are a starship manufacturing facility hidden deep inside the Bormia sector. Bormia sounds familiar too. I swear I've heard that before. On the fringes of the Ringali Nebula, the New Republic will defend the Dockyards at all costs. Wow. So it's certainly giving you some decent places that uh, you're gonna get look forward, gonna get gonna be looking forward to playing in. And in the case of Nadiri Dockyards, it kind of looks like it might be, a, and the same with the Isilis, or however you say it, it does look like there might be on-foot portions of it, which I am more than happy with. I would be more than happy with some on-foot portions, because that is just like how the previous Star Wars Battlefront games were when it came to the space flights, because you would come out of your ship and go. Like, you would infiltrate, which I'd love. I'd love to do that. Uh, Sisubo. It is the seventh planet of the Chandrilla <laughs> system in the Bormia sector. There's that name again. Surrounded by the remnants of salvaged Imperial ships, part of Project Starhawk, Sisubo's uh, debris field is a threat to any capital ship that risks flying inside. That just sounds like it's uh, kind of a neutral field, that one. The same with uh, how this one looks too, Galatan. Galatan? Ooh. It's a remote moon in the dangerous but beautiful Ringali Nebula. The forces of the turbulent nebula have pulled the moon apart into an asteroid field of still molten fragments. It's just nice to have uh, environmental things to deal with, I guess. And the Xavian Abyss. It's a hazardous area of space in the expansion region. It's filled with asteroids charged with electrical energy from the surrounding maelstrom and the shipwrecks of those who dared venture inside. I mean, it's... Hopefully there is more than six. Hopefully there is more than six places to fight. But at the same time, I mean, it's it's going to be so much fun. It is going to be so much fun. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I really am. But with that, it is now past 4 p.m. for myself. So that means it is World of Warcraft time. Just, I know everybody's favorite time of this particular uh, podcast, obviously. <laughs> so in Warcraft news, we have a few things that have gone on. Uh, namely, uh, Curseforge, which is where most of us WoW players will go to in order to get add-ons for World of Warcraft. Uh, unless, of course, in the case of, like, uh, LVI, you have to get a totally different installer. <sighs> Which is annoying. But, to add on to the annoyances, CurseForge has been sold by Twitch. Uh, I don't actually remember why it got picked up in the first place, but obviously Amazon acquired Twitch... Twitch then decided, hey, we're going to buy CurseForge for the launcher, and then they changed all sorts of things, and then it became the Twitch client, and blah blah blah. So, now we have to get Overwolf, which was something that already existed. Uh, I actually remember Overwolf, I had to use it, or at least there was the option to use it briefly, years ago, in order to have a, an overlay for TeamSpeak, I think it was. 
or maybe it was Ventrilo, so that you could see who was talking mid-gameplay. It was just an overlay up in the corner kind of thing. I do remember it from then. I never really bothered with it myself. But now it's its own thing anyway. It's a big old repository for most games, it looks like. So it actually does make sense that Curse Forge would be moving over there. But annoyingly, it is yet another thing to install. Like, most people are more than happy to now just get rid of the Twitch client, which is fair. But in the case of myself, I mean, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to keep track of it now at this point, because aside from updating add-ons, the Twitch client was also quite useful for just keeping track of Amazon Prime rewards, because there was that icon on the top. So as much as I'd love to just delete it, uninstall it rather, I have a feeling I need to keep it. Certainly for some games that I already have installed, like Superhot or um, there was some game where you have to jump uh, jump from lorry to lorry. It's very fast-paced. I played it not too long ago on stream. It's a great fun game. Very annoying too. <laughs> um, but yeah, also I'm going to have to keep the Twitch client installed, but I maybe just don't need to have it launching on Startup anymore, so I guess that's fine. But I believe... That change is coming mid-July. I want to say the 22nd, but I really don't know where I got that from. I'm sure I read it somewhere, but I can't seem to find where I read that. Uh, so we'll just say mid-July and pray that we're right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's annoying, but shit happens, I guess. Uh, other than that, well, we'll get we'll get into the, the bit of a lore spoiler shenanigans in a second we'll quickly have a look at the corruptions so we're now coming up to the third cycle which brings back corruptions such as infinite stars one surging vitality one neither of which are particularly worth getting uh glimpse of clarity i have no idea who that's good for i'm sure it's good for someone sever or severe sever severe I don't know. two uh, i think that's the crit strike yeah Increase the amount of critical strike you gain from all sources by 9%. Racing Pulse 3, which I'm tempted to maybe pick up again for my Warlock. I did get rid of it, but I don't know. It's it's 35 corruption. It's quite a hefty cost, and really I should only be going for expedience. But I don't think we're getting the next expedience maybe until the next rotation. I have a double check of this. We do actually have the uh, rotation available to us. So, I'll have a quick check. Uh, otherwise, though, for coming tomorrow in the EU, Siphoner 3 and Avoidant 3. If you need Avoidance, which nobody does. <laughs> or Leech from Siphoner. Uh, let's see. So, next, yeah. So, the next rotation, which will be coming essentially the day after this podcast gets uploaded to SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes... The day after, Expedient 2 will be returning, which is quite useful. It's actually really good to have this rotation available to me, because obviously, if you're watching this live, it's great. We know that America's reset has just happened. We know what's coming in the EU tomorrow, tomorrow morning. But if you're watching this later, well, obviously, we already have that information. We already know it's there. But we don't know what's coming the day, the next day, unless you've gone and looked it up like I have, and any, anyone can now. Uh, so yeah, if you're w listening to this or watching this at a later date, then the next corruptions coming are Sever 1, Siphoner 1, Expedient 2, 
Twilight Devastation 2, Honed Mind 3, and Strike Through 3. Which, I mean, the Expedient 2s will be useful at least, since uh, it's going to be a while before I get Expedient 3s again on my Warlock. I've, I may have been stupid when it came to uh, some things. <laughs> uh, right, so... I want to get in a little bit of a spoiler territory here when it comes to World of Warcraft. So if you don't want to listen to any spoilers from WoW, skip ahead somewhere. Uh, I'll try and be as vague as possible though at the same time because I don't really want to name things specifically. But we have this NPC. An NPC that we have known... I'm not actually sure how long, but he's been prominent for the last couple of expansions. He's an asshole. I hate him. I hate him so much. And it pained me to know that he was on my side, my side being the Horde. Now, you may be getting an idea of who I'm talking about, but again, I'm not going to go into the names. But this particular NPC, who's no longer part of our side, thank fuck, which is not spoiler, we know this has happened, uh, he may be turning up in his old house, which I believe is in the Eastern Plaguelands? Uh... This is in the Shadowlands Alpha, so things can always change. Uh, I think it's the Eastern Plaguelands. Or it's the Western Plaguelands. Eastern Plaguelands, there we go. So he's hanging out at his old home. And there's theories that he might be a Shadowlands pre-patch world boss, which answers a lot of questions, but it is slightly disappointing too. But... I mean, there's a lot to unpack here, because he may be a world boss, which is great. We have a chance to kill the cunt. Excuse my language. <laughs> we may finally have a chance to kill him, and boy would that be satisfying. But not only that, he may well be returning later in the expansion, because if you... If you know anything about what's going on with Shadowlands, you know that the people that die, their souls go into the Shadowlands and then they get sent off to uh, different areas. So we're going to be exploring four of the areas while we level up, and then a fifth area, the Moor, where the bad of the bad go, where we may actually get to meet some familiar faces, which I would be quite happy with, no matter how bad they are. I would be quite happy with meeting some of those faces. Yeah, all, all these souls are instead just being funneled into this bad of the bad place. Like, they're bypassing this arbiter that does the judging and sending you off to wherever. So, they're bypassing that, that character and going straight into this bad place. So, if we do in fact kill this NPC, we will absolutely see them again at a later date and kill them again. Which will be oh so satisfying to kill him twice. Although I imagine the second time round he will be particularly difficult, but <laughs> there you go. There you go. So yeah. That's all I want to get into in Alpha, because I really don't want to spoil things for anyone. I spoiled plenty for myself, but I at the same time I'm just too hyped. I'm really looking forward to it. But speaking of spoiling things, we did have a uh, Rainbow Six Siege leak not too long ago. 
sometime in the, I think it was early last week. Well, since recording last episode, it was early in that week. <laughs> I think it was maybe Wednesday or Thursday following. Uh, but we had a Rainbow Six Siege leak, which was showing us some uh, new operators and new abilities and all sorts of things, which, I mean, I've been debating whether or not I want to talk about this, because while it's shitty to be part of the problem, essentially, like, we have these leaks, which sucks. We have these developers that are working on all these goodies for the users to enjoy. And then some twat comes along, leaks it all, and then we all start talking about it. Now, I'm I'm, I'm torn because while I don't know much about Siege, like, I've played this a bit. I have enjoyed it, but I haven't played it in a long time. While I'd love to be talking about some of these things, I do also want to respect those developers, because they're trying to create these new, interesting ideas for the player base, and we're just going and ruining it, essentially. It's a bit like what happens constantly with Blizzard, essentially, when it comes to BlizzCon. We always have these leaks, like the image of Bolvar, the the current, well, we'll call him the current Lich King, who famously is red due to lore reasons. The dragon fire causing him to have these red burns like still on fire on it around his body. But then he's gone blue. That was a major leak. Now imagine watching the World of Warcraft Shadowlands cinematic and seeing him go from red to blue for the very first time without the leaks. The hype would have been crazy. But because of that leak, it ruined it. Not to a huge degree, because it was still absolutely badass. But leaks really do ruin a lot when it comes to the games uh, industry. So it's it's hard to... It's hard to really have a good stand on it, because it sucks that it happened. But at the same time... You have these leaks and you just want to talk about it because they're just so good. Like, I'll mention I'll mention a couple things from this Rainbow Six Siege leak. One thing being, uh, there's a suggested tie-in from the Splinter Cell series with one of the operators, I believe. Which that sounds pretty cool. I'm not sure what that would entail exactly. I don't really want to go into too many of the details. But uh, along with that, we have that. I think that particular person can use drill cameras, whatever that means. I assume it's a case of there's a few there's a few uh, operators that can set up extra cameras. Like you have a set amount of cameras on the map already, but you can set up more cameras to then sometimes take control of because they can actually shoot uh, the other team. Also your teammates. Don't shoot your teammates. Friendly fire is a very dangerous thing in this game. I have definitely fallen victim and been uh, been bad about in uh, previous games that I've played. It's really hard. It's, it's great fun. You have to take into account that you could kill your teammates, but um... Yeah, so it looks like you can drill in these cameras, which kind of 
it, it kind of sounds like they're maybe indestructible cameras. Like, some of the cameras you can destroy. You can actually just destroy them. Uh, others you cannot. Uh, I think there's one particular operator, I, I can't remember the name, but he sets up a camera which has a shield around it, so you can't destroy it. But that shield has to then open to be able to shoot at the other team. So if you pick that right time, you could then destroy that camera. So there's always a downside in some way. But these drill cameras, the only downside I see about them is if you were to destroy the wall in which they've been implanted. That's the only way I can think of it. But from the sounds of it, you can also still shoot from these cameras, which, sure, sure, why not? Why not? Uh, otherwise, we have this particular operator that seems to be able to set up some kind of laser grids on door frames. Now, I'm not entirely sure what these are supposed to do. There's theories that perhaps it damages people as they try to walk through it. So it kind of, the images, they kind of look like um, reminiscent from Resident Evil, that hallway with a grid of lasers that uh, dices a guy, which uh, that's uh, that was quite an image to see when I was younger. Anyway. <laughs> It probably doesn't quite dice you, but it, it would make sense that they hurt you and certainly set off an alarm of some kind if you were to go through them. Which, I mean, it adds that extra bit of gameplay, which does sound good. It does sound good. I'd be more than happy with. But the final th the final detail I want to go into is uh, they seem to be adding a character who has a prosthetic arm. A uh, enhanced prosthetic arm which may be attached to their backpack, so it could have a limited number of uses, but from the sounds of it, you are able to break down walls or break down window blockades or door blockades with one punch. So you're basically one punch man, or I believe this is actually a woman, so one punch woman. Or who knows, maybe they don't identify as either, who knows. But that does sound quite interesting, you can just punch a hole and then start shooting through said hole. The only way that I could see that making, like, being even better, really, would be, I'm, I'm thinking Doomfist in my head from Overwatch, who has his giant punching arm, but his other arm has, uh, for some reason, it can shoot from the knuckles. So, imagine instead the punching arm was that, that same arm that has the, the guns in it. So you punch, and then shoot. That would be some interesting gameplay, but... Yeah, <laughs> we'll see if we'll see if they ever introduce something like that. I can't say they will, because like I said last week, Rainbow Six Siege is kind of a bit more based in reality. So prosthetic arms are certainly a thing. Enhanced prosthetic arms, more than likely a thing. We just don't know about them just now because it's perfectly plausible that that could be a thing. But yeah, the final detail actually. Because I wouldn't say this is too much of a spoiler. Too much of a bad thing to talk about from a leak. Two of the maps, Chalet, I guess, I don't know if that's how you say it, and Skyscraper, two maps will be getting a rework. So, I mean, yeah, I can certainly think, if I'm thinking Skyscraper is the one I'm thinking of anyway, if I'm if I'm right in thinking that, I'm getting my words very wrong here. <laughs> if I'm right there, anyway. Skyscraper was a very confusing map to navigate. I didn't particularly like it because it was quite awful. But, yeah, if that is that map, fantastic. It could definitely do with a bit of love. It was a really good map, but it was a hell 
of a thing to navigate. <laughs> and then chalet, I guess it's a house looking one. Again, if it's the one I'm thinking of, there's certainly some things that could be uh, solved in that particular one, but I don't know exactly. I am very tempted to get back into Rainbow Six Siege, but it's one of those games that, for me anyway, would be a lot more fun with friends, with teammates, as opposed to just playing with random people, because I don't know if you know this, but random people can be pretty bloody awful. But there you go. But speaking of games that can be absolutely awful with random people, we have Apex Legends patch notes. <laughs> For, uh... Oh, what's the word? I've totally forgotten. To explain myself with awful people anyway, when it comes to Apex. My friend Dan and I, we play Apex. We try to play ranked. Well, we do play ranked. The game is always awful. <laughs> Because we have that one random teammate who is just so bad, or such an ass, it goes all to hell. There's always one. Uh, but anyway, with the patch notes for Apex, we have a few things going on, which... I mean, they sound good. Some bits sound good, some bits sound questionable, some bits don't sound great. The first thing that we knew about, uh, early on anyway... I can't remember when this actually came out exactly. Uh, I don't know. There were, there were some bits that we knew about already, uh, but we've had some official patch notes come out yesterday. But what we already knew about was mobile respawn beacons. So dotted around the maps, we've had respawn beacons that they were just preset destinations. We knew where they were and if they were usable or not. They'd show up on the map as a green icon if they were usable, else there'd be nothing there on the map because it's been used. The issue that they always had was as soon as you respawn someone, people will beeline for you. At least that is the experience that myself and Dan would have more often than not. There is one particular night not too long ago where that particularly sticks out in my head because it was just so shitty and triggering. And I don't like using the word triggering. But basically, uh, we dropped in one location. I died, of course. Uh, and then one of our teammates died, of course. Dan did manage to escape, thank fuck. And he went off to respawn me. So I died, of course. <sighs> it was, it was, I, I was watching it happen as well. Because obviously, I've respawned. I can see everything happening. As my character is jumping out of the ship, I'm watching a team just beeline for the respawn point to just come and kill me and my teammate. Or teammates. Like, I was watching it happen. Like, I knew it would happen, and it's the worst thing about respawn beacons. Now, the mobile respawn beacons, it does kind of help in the sense of they can be anywhere now. They can literally be anywhere. You actually, well, yeah, they can be anywhere. Downside is, you have to find it. It's an item you now have to find, which, given that you can go games and never find any shield better than a grey shield, I don't like the idea that there's this level of RNG where you may never, ever find a respawn beacon 
and you may seriously need it. Like, two of your team could die in the first minute, and then you can go for the rest of the entire bloody game and never find a respawn beacon. The idea of that really annoys me. But then the other problem is, apparently you call it in a bit like one of Lifeline's care packages. Now that is uh, a very obvious thing that gets done. Like, you hear the sound of the Lifeline care package coming in, you see it coming down, you see the smoke plume as it comes comes down from the rockets going off, like slowing it down. You hear it, you see it, you know where it is. People tend to beeline for that. And if this respawn beacon gets summoned in, not even respawning your teammates, it gets summoned in in a similar fashion to a lifeline care package where you can see it, you can hear it, you can pinpoint exactly where it's happening and then it's first come first serve to use it. I don't like that. That is, it's adding a very dangerous element to the respawn uh, side of the gameplay, which was already dodgy. So I'm not too keen on that. I'm really not too keen on that. Um, but other than that, we also have a section of the current map, which is actually the original map, just redone slightly. I say slightly, there's a few areas that are gone, which uh, certainly Dan and I miss. Thunderdome, rest in peace. Uh, Crypto Town Takeover. So there's a little area next to Repulsor, in the bottom right corner of the map which used to just be this really shitty little area. There was really nothing there. Couple of bins, one little house, and a few huts that you could loot. Really bad area. But it looks like it's getting a bit of love. So one of the characters is called Crypto. He operates a drone that can fly around. It can set off an EMP, which deactivates devices. Uh, it looks like he's getting a little bit of a base of operations going on there. So Crypto is taken over and providing some recon to King's Canyon. Located at the southeast of the map, under Repulsor, lies Crypto's map room. Uses tech to get the location of all legends on the map and check the screens scattered around the room to see how many enemy squads are nearby. Now that does seem pretty, pretty damn good. Uh, Crypto already had his uh, drone ability, which... There are these banners dotted around the map that show you like stats, like champion squad kind of thing, or person with the highest kills, the kill leader. Uh, Crypto's drone could fly up to these things and see a different screen entirely. It would show you zero enemies nearby, or one enemy, uh, sorry, zero enemy teams nearby, one enemy team nearby. And then you'd be able to ping that and just say, there are people nearby. Now with this new area, it will still do that, just without having the need for the drone to tell you that. Everyone will be able to see it. But the idea that you can actually see everyone on the map, granted it will only be temporary, that seems pretty good. Because there are some games where the map is, you're coming to like the second circle and basically everyone's dead. Very suspicious games though, I have to say. But say for instance you're in the bottom right, and they're in the top left. I mean, this certainly helps tell you where they are, and you can try and work out a plan from there. Which, I mean, that sounds good to me. That definitely does sound good to me. Uh, so next up, we have Mirage's Trophy, which is an heirloom item. Uh, each of the characters is going to end up with an heirloom item of some kind. It's a, a, a change their melee weapon, essentially. There's not many that I really care about, 
Wraith has a heirloom knife, which people go crazy for, and they literally pick the character to play as purely because they have the knife, which... Okay. <laughs> sure. Uh, but yeah, in the case of... Uh, so well. My favorite would have to be Pathfinder, my zippy boy, who is a happy robot that sets up zip lines and can grapple away. He gets boxing gloves. I love that. <laughs> I love Zippy Boy. He's a great character. Uh, but yeah, Mirage gets a trophy, which does a fun little animation. It like spins around, lights go off, and then he's like, ah, and then drops it. <laughs> like Mirage is, Mirage is quite a character. I really do enjoy him, even though I do not care to play him because he's pretty crap. <laughs> Although he has had an update because people share that opinion where he's not great. Uh, he did get an update where when you spawn... His ultimate ability is he spawns multiple images of himself. But you can actually then control said images and they'll mimic your movements. That is a pretty hefty update. The only way I think it could be better would be if he spawned multiple images of himself and his teammates. So usually there's three of you. If he spawned, let's say, three of each, so you have nine images going out, as well as the three original people, you have 12 images, and they can all be mimicking each other's, like, their their relevant players' movements. That would be a really insane buff, and I think that would actually make Mirage a lot more viable than he is. But... We'll see if that ever happens. It may not be necessary, but it certainly would be something pretty good to see, I'd say. But other than that, we have some updates for the different characters. So Lifeline, uh, she now has a new passive, Combat Revive. So she has this little Helio robot that, uh, for one, also the cooldown of that has been reduced from 60 seconds to 45. So every 45 seconds... She brings out her little robot, and that can heal the teammates. Well, heal the team. Actually, it heals literally anyone that goes up to it, which is a bit of an issue, but it makes sense at the same time. Um, but yeah, so that robot can now revive people rather than Lifeline reviving them herself, which is a pretty hefty buff, I have to say, because that means you can revive someone and still fights. Like, the thing puts up a shield already. It already put up a shield when reviving, which was pretty good, especially at range. Now it puts up a shield, and you get to continue fighting while you're reviving a teammate. That is pretty good. It does come at the sacrifice of Lifeline's uh, old passive, which was fast healing. Like, essentially what the legendary chest piece does, which it lets you use, well, what it used to do, I should say. It used to let you get off uh, consumables much faster. Uh, so Lifeline still had that ability, but no longer. She will no longer have that ability. Instead, she just heals the same rate as everyone else, which, I mean, it does balance it out. It kind of takes away at the same time, but I'd say it's a fair thing to, to lose. To lose your fast heat self-healing for a passive revive, which lets you continue fighting, that is a pretty good payoff, I'd say. Along with that, though, her ultimate ability, the care package, which I was talking about earlier, uh, will now contain three times more small healing items. So usually it would drop uh, 
two, well, depending on what it's going to drop. If there were syringes, you'd get two syringes. If there were shield cells, you'd get two shield cells. So instead, if the care package decides to spawn small healing items, which that's a worrying statement, really, that it decides to, but uh, it now spawns three times as many, which I'm not too sure what to make of that, because you can only carry four syringes per slot, or four shield cells per slot. And now it's dropping up to three times more? Like, sure, I guess it's not so bad, actually, because it would be a case of each one of your teammates could take two each kind of thing. I don't know. It's probably fine. It probably is fine. I don't know. I just have a little bit of a worry with it. But the care, care package, when it decides to spawn attachments, will now contain two times more attachments, which... I mean, that's fine. You could sometimes get a 4 to 10 times scope in there, so I guess there'll be two of those, or something along those lines. Or even uh, if there can be mags or anything else. I mean, that's fine. That's fine. It's a decent buff. You're not really losing anything there. It just gives more viability to playing the character, which was already a pretty good choice to take. Uh, otherwise, we have Octane, who's tactical, who which was a... Uh, Stib Needle, that would increase your running speed. That now removes movement impairing effects. So there's uh, Caustic's Gas and Watson's... Uh, what are they called? Electrical Walls, I've actually forgotten what they're called. Fences. Electrical Fences. Those would give you a movement impairing effects. So I guess the Sim now gets rid of those. And also increases the speed by 10%. Uh, sorry, no, sorry, the sprinting speed is now increased by 10%, so you're even faster than you were before. Along with that, Octane's Ultimate, which was a launch pad, so you just throw it down, run into it, jump miles away. You can now get a second jump when you're using that, and you can actually change direction when you jump. Now, that can actually enhance a lot of the gameplay, which I'm looking forward to that one. It's going to be quite useful. Revenant has had his... Uh, a few buffs. His tactical, which was the silencing ability, will now can will now cancel Pathfinder mid grapple, which is pretty good. I've cancelled Pathfinders before as they're running away essentially, and like I've silenced you, but you're still escaping. I hate this. <laughs> so now the silence will actually stop you them from escaping, which lets you get it gives you that chance to kill them. Which I mean, I quite enjoy playing Revenant, as depressing as he is. He's a pretty good character to play. And I really do enjoy the silencing because, especially when you're coming up against a caustic, it'll just endlessly throw gas. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, the ability will also now prevent Mirage's cloaked revive, which was another one of the updates that uh, Mirage had, where when picking up someone, he'd go invisible, and the person reviving, being uh, getting revived, would go invisible. Pretty good buffs, but that's now cancelled if they are silenced. Uh, also, Mirage's decoy control activation, so he could, I guess he can still spawn or have spawned decoys, but he can no longer take control of them, so it's a lot more obvious to know which ones are fake when they're just beelining in different directions as opposed to doing any different kind of movement like a player would do. Uh, and Lifeline's combat revive, which is her buff for this patch, so silence will prevent that, which... That is pretty dangerous. That is a pretty dangerous... If you're a lifeline coming up against a Revenant, that is dangerous. But we'll see how it goes.
along with Revenant's buffs, his ultimate, the Death Totem, which is a pretty useful thing. You put it down, you use it, or you interact with it rather, and then you run off to fight. If you die, you just teleport back. You have a bit less health and shield, or I think at least health anyway, but it gives you that chance to go up, do some damage, come back, and then go out again to do the rest of the damage. It, it does help. There was a range on that, a range on that thing, which was very annoying. Like at one point, I got utterly fucked by. I was staying in range of it, but then apparently the game decided I was not in range of it anymore. So it took me out and I got killed. That wasn't fun, but the range is now gone. There's still a time limit on how long it lasts. And obviously if you get killed, then you teleport back, but there's no more range, which is fantastic. That is a really good update because the number of times I've put it down and whoever I've been fighting has been out of range. <sighs> kind of annoying. <laughs> But there you go. So Crypto has had... There's a lot of characters getting their updates, actually. Everyone's basically got something. So we'll try and run through these a bit quicker. Crypto's uh, tactical, deploying the drone. It now takes one and a half seconds instead of two and a half. And the EMP ability now also disables Watson's pylons, which were grenade neutralizing things, which were very useful and fantastic that the EMP now deactivates that. Loba's tactical, uh, Burglar's best friend, will no longer be intercepted by Watson's interception pylon. I didn't even know that was a thing. That's hilarious. Loba has a, a thing she can throw which teleports her away. Watson's interception pylon destroyed those apparently, as well as grenades. That's hilarious. Uh, her ultimate ability, the Black Market Boutique. <laughs> I had to think about that one there. Uh, we'll now only pick up one stack of ammo rather than one stack and the amount that was required to fill whatever partial stack you had in your inventory. So it's a little bit of a nerf. And ultimate accelerants now give you 20% charge up from 17.5. Which, not much of a buff, but she's a new character. She, does, she doesn't have to be completely ruined just yet. Uh, Mirage, his tactical. You can now hold down the tactical button and release to auto-control decoys. Decoys will now say lines when shot. That's interesting. Totally unnecessary. Uh, his passive, when cloaked, Mirage's ho uh, hollow emitters will be visible to players that are less than five meters away. That's interesting. So you can already see a bit of a, a faint like visual disturbance going on when that would happen, but now you actually see his little discs on his arms, if you're close enough anyway. That's pretty cool. And skydiving, uh, Mirage will now create decoys for the entire squad. Ahaha! That's almost what I was wanting one for his ultimate. That is so close. I'm going to have to tell Dan about that one. I was almost there with that. Uh, okay, so Gibraltar, his fast heal granted inside... I don't even know he had a fast heal granted inside his dome shield. He puts down a dome shield that protects you from bullets. Uh, slowed down. So it's a bit of a nerf. It used to be 25% faster, now it's 15% faster. Eh, you win some, you lose some. Jib Jibs is a good character still. Very easy to kill, but... Good character all the same. His ultimate could definitely use some love, though, I feel. Because it's pretty fucking shit. Especially when there's a challenge to kill people with it. <laughs> God, I hated that. Uh, Caustics. Uh, enemies can cancel Caustics' barrel by shooting it before it's... Oh, okay. So Caustic throws down these gas traps. If you shot it... Well, the only way you could get rid of them previously was by shooting it at the very base, which would put it down. If you shoot it before it's fully inflated, that will also get rid of it. So that's pretty good, rather than setting it off and gassing yourself. That's pretty good. Uh, Watson, the intent of these changes is to create 
openings where enemies can breach Watson positions. It is still possible for Watson players to hold a position with a trophy indefinitely, but that should come at the cost of using ultimate accelerants. So Watson's pylons now last for 90 seconds. Watson can now, to have, now, can now have up to three pylons at, out at any time. And Watson can stack two ultimate accelerants per inventory slot. That's pretty good. But pylons, does that mean the interception things or does that mean the fences? The fences is a pretty big nerf because it used to be kind of infinite how many you could have set up. We'll see. We shall see. I'll have to get familiar with actual terms, but... Uh, Wraith, increasing Wraith's tactical cooldown has proven to be ineffective at curbing her exceedingly high win rate and kill rate. These changes are meant to de-incentivize Wraith players from using Phasewalk as a get-out-of-jail-free card and move it into more of a repositioning and scouting ability. Phasewalk now takes 1.25 seconds to enable, was 0.4. Oof. Holy shit. During this time, Wraith will receive a 20% moving slow. This does not affect phase walk while placing a phase portal. Okay. Uh, while in phase walk, Wraith now gets 30% speed boost. While in phase walk, Wraith can now see other players while in the void. That's pretty useful. Phase walk now lasts 4 seconds from 3 seconds, and phase walk cooldown is now down to 25 seconds from 35. Wow. That's, uh, that's a... Okay. Interesting. And phase tunnel decreased distance for portal placement by 25%, so it can't go as far. Okay. That's going to be interesting. But that's all the legends buffs and nerfs, so we'll see how those go. Weapons and loot, zip lines, a cooldown will be applied to re-grabbing zip lines without touching the ground. The cooldown will increase with each time a player disconnects and re-grabs the zip line. So Basically, don't be grabbing and like one way people dodge bullets while using a zipline is to jump and reattach, jump and reattach. If you jump and reattach too much, it's going to be a case of you fall and you won't be able to reattach, which is oh, okay. And the cooldown will reset when the player touches the ground. Okay, that's going to make some aspects of uh, ziplining very dangerous because you might just fall to your death or you fall way out of position. We'll see. Uh, Havoc Rifle greatly increased the horizontal recoil in the initial shots of a burst. Still, some people are going to find some way to just headshot me constantly, so whatever. And the magazine size for the Havoc has also been decreased by 4, from 32 to 28. We'll see what that does. Probably not much, to be honest. The Havoc is still a pretty solid gun. Uh, Sentinels had a bit of a buff, which is kind of nice. Uh, yeah, bit of a buff. Rechamber time has gone from 1.75 seconds to 1.6, I guess. Rechamber, I... I don't know if that's seconds, actually. I don't know what time this is based on, but it's faster. TLDR, it's faster. Uh, energized duration as well, 90 to 120. I believe that is seconds, though. So rather than having 90 seconds of uh, a power-up, essentially, for your shot, it's going to be 120, which, fine. That's cool. Uh, some quality of life changes as well. Teammates can now ping a friendly caustic trap. New health bar for when users are in Revenant Shadow Form. And the map rotation times are now even between King's Canyon and World's Edge. Cool. And there's a lot of bugs that have been uh, fixed. We'll not worry too much about those. Although I'm sure there was one that I found hilarious when I first read it. Uh, I'm not sure when that might have been. 
Oh, hey. They did at least fix the, uh, you got a treasure pack message after appearing after each match. That was annoying as shit. <laughs> uh, right. Well, yeah, that is Apex. So, we are pretty much at the end of the time here, but I do want to briefly touch on Mixer shutting down. Which, uh, Mixer is the alternative streaming platform to Twitch or YouTube Gaming or even Facebook. So yeah, Mixer is shutting down. This is the platform where Ninja and Shroud had uh, multi-million dollar deals with with Microsoft to come over and exclusively stream there. They are now released from those contracts and they've actually been, I believe, bought out of those contracts. So they've won. They've they've come out of it even more financially uh, secure than they were before, which is insane. But considering, like, in the for the likes of Ninja, he made this change and he had like a 10 million view loss or something like that. I don't know what that's based on like per month or something, but that is a hefty loss. And while it is a shame to see Mixer go, it's technically not, but it is also a new platform. It's one of these things where it it just never, never really had a chance. It's a bit like, while I would love to see a new social platform take over Facebook, it's unlikely. Or a new video platform to take over YouTube, it is unlikely. Like these Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, they are pretty set. It is unlikely these titans will ever be unseated, essentially. But uh Yeah, speaking of Facebook, it Mixer is, I believe, being absorbed or something by Facebook. So it's gonna be under them. When it comes to Facebook, I don't much care for them. Facebook I absolutely despise the user interface experience. Like the user experience of Facebook is appall absolutely appalling. Like you play, you click to play a video, you click to pause the video, but wait, it just makes the video bigger. It's so bad. And a lot of the time the loading in Facebook is so bad because it's just so bogged down by crap. Now, this may all change when the uh, user experience gets an update, which it sorely needs. And I don't know when it's due, but I hope it's soon because, oh boy. But I don't trust Facebook with videos. I don't trust Facebook with streams. If I'm going to stream, I'm going to use Twitch. If I'm going to do videos, I'm going to use YouTube. If I had any other option for social media, I'd probably use that over Facebook because Facebook at this point on top of all the data collection and dodgy dealings, just don't care for it. But yeah, it's a shame that some people who were maybe starting up their streaming careers on Mixer are now homeless and they have to start all over again. I hope that they can have a quick start on whichever platform they end up going to. I do hope. But there are also some issues in the case of uh, Foxyzilla, I think her name was, who was banned from Twitch because of some like uh, some other user, allegedly at least, I don't know if this is confirmed, but some other user was using stolen details in order to spam her with subscriptions. She had no involvement in this and obviously can't really control people. So naturally Twitch banned her. So... Absolutely stupid. She was a partner and she just got banned by Twitch because of someone else. So she made the move to Mixer. 
and now Mixer's shutting down. So her only choice at this point is YouTube gaming or Facebook streaming, which, I mean, YouTube gaming is probably okay, but it would make far more sense to go back to Twitch, but she just cannot because that option is not available to her because Twitch made the bizarre choice to just ban her over someone else's actions. I, the, it, it makes no sense. It really makes no sense. It's a shame, but there you go. But that is going to be it from me. We have definitely gone over the hour mark. I don't know if I'm going to be able to fit this in. So episode two of the Freecast may have to come down. We'll see. But yeah, thank you very much for watching. We'll be back again next Tuesday at 3.30pm GMT. Hopefully Chris will be back with us. Uh, if you are listening to this later or watching it at any other time, uh, well, it'll be uploaded on Fridays to SoundCloud, Spotify and iTunes and YouTube at around 3.30pm GMT on the Friday. On a free day, sorry. Free day. Much more important to say free day. Uh, and yeah, I don't think there's uh, much else I need to touch on, so... I've been Simon Osfrey Osborne. You can find me at twitter.com slash Osfrey or youtube.com slash C slash Osfrey, I believe. Or of course, twitch.tv slash Osfrey. Uh, those are pretty much the same place everywhere. And uh, yeah. Thank you again for watching, and I'll see you whenever the hell I see you next. Bye bye.